0: a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most.
1: So hello and welcome to the Money and Meaning show. My name is Jeff Bernier. I am your guide and host as we have a monthly conversation around money and meaning. So this show is all about helping you create the clarity and confidence to live a great life. Uh, And we try to offer some encouragement to help you go deeper with what matters most. And that's the meaning part. How do you create meaning and purpose in your life? And the money part is all about how do we create the margin? How do we create the, the wealth management strategies to create the freedom, the financial freedom to go pursue your vision of a meaningful life. And I get to do a lot of different things in this show because it's just an opportunity for me to share some information. And uh, one of the things that I like to do is bring on some really uh, helpful uh, guests. And, uh, you know, some of these shows are, you know, about meaning and purpose and pursuing your passion. Some of these shows are technical wealth management around investment strategy and tax planning and estate planning and all the things that we do in a wealth management context to help you create this clarity uh, and and the freedom, the financial freedom to go do what you'd like to do. But something else I like to do periodically is do what I call money and meaning stories. So these are opportunities to bring in some really interesting people that have some really cool stories to tell. And that's what we're doing today. We're going to have a guest on today that has got, I think, a really helpful story to tell. You know, I have a consultant that I used to work with, and he used to always say, you know, retirement uh, is what we do to airplanes and, and ships and equipment when it's no longer useful. So we don't really, really want to use the word retirement in our vocabulary because we don't, we don't ever want to be, non-productive and non-useful and, and 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 be stuck out to pasture like an airplane or 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 a ship. And I think that's a pretty good theme for today with our guest because he remains uh, productive in 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 his uh, later stages of life and I think he can offer some really encouragement for all of us as we figure out, what's next in our second act. So let me introduce my guest, Bruce Johnson. Bruce is a fascinating and interesting individual. He spent the early part of his career uh, in the Navy um, and and a lot of that at sea. He was a line officer uh, on ships. He traveled the world. He was uh, uh, in the Vietnam War. Uh, In midlife, he made a career change and he became a mediator uh, and actually, ended up specializing in family businesses and partnerships. Uh, he's a lifelong learner. In addition to an engineering degree, he earned a master's degree in management, master's degree in counseling, and then he got additional training and certifications in in mediation. and uh, He does management consulting. Uh, he helps individuals, family businesses, and partnerships to become their very best. Uh, and so, I am delighted to have you here today, Bruce. Welcome, and happy to have you on the show.
2: Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here.
1: yeah, so thank, thank you so much for joining us i I had heard about Bruce for a couple of years from from a very close friend of mine, and i just I just had to talk to him. so we hooked up a, a couple of months ago and said, what would it be like if you came in and, and just shared a little bit about your journey?" But Bruce, you know, to start these shows I, I really like our audience to just know you a little bit. So do you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and your family and where you live and, and, uh, you know, just sort of
2: background? Sure. Uh, Martha and I live in Monterey, California. Uh, We've lived many places, and no place is perfect, but this is close. So (laughs) we're happy to be here. Um, We're a strangely childless couple. Uh, I was a Boy Scout leader. Martha was a teacher, and um, so we have seven godchildren and a lot of young friends. We feel blessed for that. And so my family of origin was in Rapid City, South Dakota, in the Black Hills. And uh, a seminal event in my youth was when I was 15 and my dad uh, told me, you're going to work on the construction crew tomorrow morning. Uh, so I got some old clothes and went out to the crew with him and He went up to the foreman and said, here's my son. Make a man out of him. (laughs) And uh, they did. He had a good time making a man out of me.
1: Yeah. Very very cool. At what age was that? 15.
2: 15 years old. My 15th year. Oh, that's that's awesome.
1: Well, that kind of leads right into where I wanted to go with our conversation, uh, because you do have a a sort of a fascinating, I I don't even know if I want to call it a career path, but a journey. You have a fascinating yeah. journey. You've been involved in a lot of different types of things and have had multiple acts. I I use I use sort of the, the theater metaphor in the book that I wrote, The Money and Meaning Journey. And you're you're on, you know, I don't know if it's act six or seven, but you're on a bunch of acts. So tell me a little bit about your career path. So you started in construction when you were 15 years old. Uh, kind of walk us through your career path in sort of a high level, if you don't mind, because I think it's pretty fascinating.
2: Sure, one more thing about my dad, uh, very bright man uh, and never had the opportunity to go to college. So he said to me, I want you to learn this trade. I want you to learn it well, so you'll never have to do it again. <laughs> so get your college education, do something else.
1: Yeah, nothing like nothing like hard manual labor um, will, will drive you to, to be interested in knowledge work. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a similar experience i I worked in 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 commercial construction uh, when i was in high school and uh as a high school football player there was not a better workout yeah working in construction i was pretty prepared for the fall but not only that i was prepared to go to college i wouldn't have to do uh, i wouldn't have to lug concrete wheelbarrows around for for the rest of my life
2: Uh, it's the truth it was a lot of fun at the beginning of the summer no fun at the end of the summer. Yeah.
1: You knew what you didn't want to do. Yeah. So what, so, so what, happened, so what happened after that? You obviously left uh, the construction world after, I guess, high school. What, what, where did you go then?
2: Oh, then I went to college and got a, a degree in civil engineering, spe- specializing in structures. Okay. And so uh, I had a new job off from Boeing in Seattle. And I thought, well, that's a nice place, I think. And so I, I worked there for about a year, one rainy winter. In Seattle, they say you will develop web feet if you stay for two <laughs> or three rainy winters. But yeah, I left and went to Lockheed Martin in Florida. And, uh, but I wasn't very happy. The kind of work that I did uh, seemed very inconsequential and uh, I just wasn't happy. And at that time, there was a draft. So uh, by a process of elimination, I ended up uh, volunteering to join the Navy, became a Navy line officer. And so I served in five different ships at sea and learned a lot about uh, dealing with human beings, with uh, leadership and and coaching, um, being a good example, just trying to get the best out of everybody else and me at the top of the list. And so I learned a lot there. And after 20 years in the Navy, last five years when the staff of the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, Okay. Uh, so I retired from the Navy and I told my wife, I'm gonna take a few months off and let the dust settle and figure out what it is I'm supposed to be doing down here on planet earth. And she rolled her eyes (laughs) <laughs> because she knew she'd be going back to teach in the fall. and What, what am I going to be doing? Right. Uh, so I had a very nice summer. And my neighbor, who was a treasurer of a mutual fund, and I used to ride bikes. And when the markets closed, we'd ride. One day he said, I know what you should do. And I said, what's that? He said, we need people to resolve disputes in business. Hmm. We could take them to our attorneys and have a bloodbath. Or we don't, and they never end. And you could do it. And I thought, yeah, I could do that. And uh, so I got trained and certified as a mediator. But I hadn't mastered one part of the equation. And that was, you need to be able to do marketing and sales. Yeah. Get business. Right. Uh, in the Navy, you never tell anybody how good you are or what you can do. They tell you how good I got gotcha. you. How good you are now. Yeah. What you can do. What you can yeah. do yeah so um i thought hmm so i I started taking people to lunch i knew how to do that yeah so my client base turned out to be family-owned businesses right partnerships okay and uh so that for me was a nice mixture because there's some structure in it right and at the same time uh there's a lot of messiness Inside yeah and structure
1: yeah and, and, and you and I guess you could use I mean the military uh, at, at some level is like graduate school because you're learning human development and leadership and training and systems and processes and different personalities. So I guess you probably used a lot of the skills that you learned in the Navy that might have carried over to your to working with family businesses that can all oftentimes be in conflict, I'm sure
2: um you can be assured of that yeah Yeah. um so i then thought after i did mediation work with family business and partnerships that this is really hard work for everybody myself included yeah what can we do upstream to try to make things better so we don't get down to this nasty place yeah have to figure things out um So I got a master's degree in counseling then. Okay. I I thought that would help me to understand better what's going on inside of people's minds and started doing succession planning. So in in a family business and in a partnership, uh, people generally don't like to talk about succession until it's too late. Right. Ideally, if you want to do a succession plan for anything with any complications, It takes five years to get the right people in the job. Yeah. So um, I did that. And with partnerships, I would do pre-partnership work, all the things that partners should know when they become partners. Right. And then kind of midterm work, excuse me, allergy season in California. Yeah. Uh, Midterm work where they have something like the seven-year itch. Uh, they they're not happy anymore. Right, They're, they're making money. They've got a, a good business. Yeah, you're not happy because I'm the guy that's doing the marketing, and I'm the, I'm in the golf course. Yeah, and you're doing all the work. Right, so we've got to get that straightened out. Yeah, so I come in and try to help them to gotcha. reorient. Yeah, and then at the end, I'll have uh, sometimes law firms uh, where we sit down to figure out what's a what's a good solution then turn it over to one attorney to resolve it.
1: Okay. And, yeah. Uh, now, is that the kind of work you do now? Or are you doing Is That's or what I that? do now. Are you, okay. So that's what you've been doing for the last 20 years or so, maybe more longer
2: more than that.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. So t- my three months in retirement, Jeff, were a real eye opener.
1: How uh, so? Yeah. Well, you, well, how old were you then? I mean, you were just maybe in your forties.
2: Very old 45.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So um, all the things I thought I'd do if I had more time, <laughs> excuse me, I didn't do because I had more time. And it was starting to take me all morning to read the Wall Street Journal, the Monterey Herald and the Mail. And I thought, this is not a good track here on
1: Yeah, well, that kind of gets me to my next question, which is um, as you went from obviously, you know, a day labor as a kid growing up, and then, you know, getting uh, educated, Navy, uh, more education, management consulting. Um, what are some of the lessons? What are what are some of the lessons you learn in your career or early in life that have served you well as you made these various transitions or insights? As you just mentioned, when you had just a couple of months of of nothing to do as an early. Retiree in your 40s from the military. What were some of the things that 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 have that have impressed you in in terms of life lessons?
2: Um, I think it's important if one believes in a higher power, God, yeah. to ask what I'm supposed to be doing here, yeah, and uh, get some inkling, because uh, there are many things we could do. Uh, what what could we do best to help other people and, and on my website, my, my tagline is Becoming Our Best. Okay. So I want other people and me to become our best through our work together. And so some of the life lessons are, be transparent. Tell people what, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, if this conversation that I'm in that's difficult takes five more minutes to get figured out, take the five minutes, save a half an hour of later trying to unscrew the mess that we've made here yeah. Um, and be patient with others, be patient with yourself. A lot of what we do in life is with other people who don't grow as fast as we or change as fast as we want them to. Hmm. Well, one of my mentors along the way said, this is like being a gardener. You're not a mechanic. You can't just Take a torque wrench and try to straighten things out here. You have to, you have to plant the seed and water the seed and and do all the things that a gardener does.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nurture it and and it'll grow on its own, on its own time.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, faith in something bigger than yourself. Uh, divine intervention, God, wherever you get inspiration. I mean, I think you and I share a similar faith background. So we believe in a a God that loves us and has a plan for us. And we just kind of got to listen and try to get some discernment on what that is. Um, You you know, being patient with people, um, being transparent. It sounds like, you know, um, in your counseling work, um, you know, not avoiding conflict either. I mean, you, You know, when there is conflict, some of us avoid it. And it sounds like, um, you know, the things that you've done in your work is you've addressed them. You didn't ignore them.
2: Um, I have to remind myself about that a lot, Jeff. Um, One thing we didn't mention earlier is listening. Um, My joke is I spent the first half of my life talking. I want to spend the second half listening. Because listening, I learn things, we learn things. And then we also find out what's going on with someone. Yeah. Make eye contact, listen.
1: Yeah, be be present, yeah. And and for me personally, that takes a lot of intentionality because it's easy to get distracted with our agenda and the things that we've got going on. And it requires a sacrifice. and and what's interesting about it is once you make the sacrifice, it's very rewarding. Yeah. When I say sacrifice, you're sacrificing your agenda, um, but it but it can be very it can be very rewarding. Um, and again, I, I I'm a work in progress on this uh, big time. So you know, I I noticed from your website there's some other things that you're involved in, and it looked like you've done a lot of work internationally. And so your your website, which we'll reference later. Says since 1992, you've worked to prevent, uh, prevent, manage, and resolve conflict in other countries using collaborative problem-solving, facilitation, and you know a, a mediation process. So tell us, a, and and you have a long history of things that you've done around the globe. Can you share a little bit about some of that, and and what and that what that what the type of work that's referring to?
2: Yes, it um, it's probably. The one of the most interesting parts of my life uh, because we're not just dealing with other human beings, we're dealing with other cultures and expectations. One of the first things they told us in Russia is don't sit on a table. We eat from tables in Russia. We don't sit on tables and talk like we do in, in the U.S. And uh, in China, uh, when we're sitting at a, at a buffet with a with the circular, lazy Susan, I think they're called, and with all these dishes on it, I'm sitting next to the number two guy, in, from China, and he said, "Oh, oh look, that oh, you've got to try this," and so it comes up in front of me, and it's a piece of intestine in a clear white <laughs> <laughs> liquid of some kind. Of, yeah. I thought, well, okay, I'll try it, and I did, and. So it makes us be a little more flexible and, it, and it also, also attentive, what you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, we, we have to learn from other people. Um, I was only in one real-life threatening experience, <coughs> excuse me, in Haiti, where we had, uh, Bill Lincoln, my mentor, was a very successful mediator, one of the top in the world. And he would go to these places, bring me along, and a few others sometimes, and we would try to do something with the, the Guatemalan Civil War. Oh wow! Teaching people. Now was to, this
1: through your now was this through your consult your management consulting practice or? Uh, no, you, this
2: was like a sideline. This is okay. So you're like, subcontracted
1: oh, by other people that said, "I need you to help us do this project," and they were maybe a government agency or a non-profit or something like that, is that?
2: Uh, usually, uh, we flew below the radar. Uh, the State Department would think, what are you doing? That's our business. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that. And Bill thought if we get involved with the government too much, we'll just do the same things the government does. I see. We, we worked with the Guatemalan Civil War and we worked with them for two years. Um, between the comandantes and the army and the government. And they, gave, they came up with a resolution because Bill had taught them how to talk to each other and negotiate with each other. And so it was things like that or in Haiti where uh, the three black colonels, wonderful guys, sitting across the table said, what are you doing here? Are you spies? Do you work for the CIA? And in Haiti, if you do the wrong things, you get what's called a Haitian necklace, which is a tire with gasoline in it. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, so we we went through this interrogation. and, And Bill has a heart condition, my friend. And he sits up and says, excuse me, I need to say something. And the colonels looked at him like, and he said, you know, I wouldn't want to play poker with any of you gentlemen. <laughs> and there's this heavy silence. Yeah. yeah. Yes. one of them starts to laugh. Oh, Mr. Lincoln, you're a joker. Yeah. So this is
1: so this is work that you had a, a colleague that was involved in this type of work, and you assisted him.
2: He's the uh, master. I was the, uh, the, the assistant. assistant.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you traveled around the world with him doing this type of work. Uh, yes. Around the globe is, is uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, that's that's really that is really fascinating. And so the work you're involved in now. I know we were gonna uh, we were gonna we, we were gonna have a conversation a few days ago, and you said you had a full calendar. So, uh, and I think that you're you know I think you, you look to be at least sixty. Um, yeah,
2: for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I think. Uh, so do you mind telling us how young you are? I tell people
2: I'm a young eighty-five.
1: Okay. 85. Okay. So you're just getting, you're just getting warmed up good
2: here. So um, um, I think so. And yeah, it's just a, some I, things I don't do as well as I did when I was 25. Well, things I do a lot better than I did when I was 25.
1: Yeah. I think that's true with, with most of us. And so the work you're involved in now, how much are you, um, how much are you serving others now? I guess that's maybe all the time, but how much, how much are you serving now in some capacity?
2: I don't believe in retirement, for me at least. And I watched other people die the first year after they retire because they've lost meaning in their lives. And they they didn't prepare for it. And for me, I get a lot of satisfaction about working with people and helping people. I think my life as I go along, as I walk down the street, I should say hello to people. When I talk to the girl in the coffee shop, I should I should make eye contact and actually look at her, and try to try to let her know that I care right. to some extent. Yeah, this, this is not just a transaction; it's more than a transaction. And so, hopefully, we leave a trail of uh, people who are a little happier or a lot happier. So yeah. my my clientele I've got about five or six, and it ranges from people that make parts for rocket ships, uh, to law firms where they need to do a succession plan, to a family where we've got children from one mom, and children from the mistress, and Mm. grandchildren, and very complicated things. Uh, And then individual coaching for for people, uh, communication and leadership. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to ask you what your definition of retirement is, but it sounds like, um, like my consultant that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I mean, retirement's not a word that you're really all that familiar with, because you know, um, you know, I have a I have a, a guy that I had on a, a while back, uh, a guy named Mitch Anthony that had one of the best definitions of retirement. I'm sorry of of work that I'd ever heard. His definition for work was. Uh, anything that created value for others and meaning for me. So, mm. if, so if I helped, if he created value for another human being and it created meaning for me, he yeah. defined that as work. That's pretty so, good. Yeah, he says. So, by that definition, I'll work forever. I hope to create value for other people, and I hope to have meaning in my life till the day I till the day I die. And so, you know, whether you're compensated or not for it is sort of a secondary concern if you're creating value for others and it's and it's meaningful for you and it sounds like you have a similar mindset maybe not the same definition but you're you're still you're still going strong at, at, uh, at 85 in terms of of, uh, of being productive and serving others well my final couple of questions are um, you know this show is really geared to people who are uh, trying to figure out what's next you know they might have had a successful, career or raising a family um, or they're late in their career and they're trying to strategize what do they do after traditional work? Any advice you might give them uh, that they might uh, have a similar experience in terms of figuring out, you know, meaning and fulfillment and purpose in their, you know, in in their later stages of life? Any advice for them?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, look forward to it. It's a new chapter in your life a different chapter, uh, you can prepare for it by thinking about what's your bucket list, fine. Take it a few months off if you can to let the dust settle so that you have a better idea of what you want to do. Too many of us, when we're in high stress, jobs become uh, addicted somewhat to all the furor that's going on around us all the time. And we're solving problems that are driving us crazy. Yeah. But... We, we've got that kind of, we need that somehow. So um, one has to recognize that and, and then move towards something that's realistic, um, part-time work. Um, one of my Navy friends said when he turned 60 years old, he wanted to take one vacation a month for the rest of his life. Could be two days, could be two weeks, uh, whatever it is, but it's on the calendar every month. So this month on my calendar is to go see the desert bloom. Hmm. There's a period of a few weeks when the, if, if there's a rainy season, the desert blooms with flowers everywhere, and then the little flowers die within a month or so and um, back to desert. So that's for this month. And so each month I try to have something like that on the agenda, on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep me... From getting stale, right. I, tr- I read a lot uh, and try to keep up with what's going on at the times. I'm uh, one. Of the, one of the reasons I'm not retired is that I'm forced to learn how to do Zoom to some extent. <laughs> right,
1: you have to learn <laughs> new, new things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 obviously things change fast these days. So mm-hmm. you know, being a lifelong learner can be helpful for all all of us, regardless of whether we are. Creating value for others in a traditional uh, employment setting, or a nonprofit, or just being a super great uh, granddad to your grandchildren. I mean, there there are many roles in, that we can play. I, I love what you said though about uh, taking a break, uh, and I, it's, it's kind of like a detox. You know, you're de- yeah. you're, you're detoxing from the yeah. stimulus of you know meetings and you know instant messaging and. Uh, creating something, a deadline, which is all very rewarding, accomplishing your to-do list every day. But as you make the transition to what's next, I think having that period of time where you just let your brain sort of reset, you know, it's almost like you got to turn the computer off um, and reboot it later, but let it rest for a little while to to get the cobwebs out before you start Uh, You know, strategizing, you know, I talk all the time about sort of going to the woods metaphorically, you know, and and that's a great time where you can obviously pray and listen and and get some insight from from, uh, you know, from our creator and and obviously mentors and friends and and those kinds of things as well can be insightful. Uh, Well, this has been very helpful. Any anything else you might like to share with the audience in terms of encouragement or advice or um uh, anything anything else you
2: might like to add well, one of the reasons my wife thinks I'm different is because i'm I'm the person that's always the last to make contact with somebody and they'll they'll disappear off their off they just don't fool for many reasons they're out of communication for five years don't know where they are well we can still pray for them and I can still send them a christmas card or an email or something, just to keep in contact. <clears throat> I think it's important to keep those friendships and acquaintances alive as best we can, for their sake and for our sake.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. And, that, and again, that's the kind of thing for, for some of us, it requires a lot of intentionality. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I know a guy who told me, you should write three thank you notes a day. No, now I don't. Uh, but it sure is aspirational yeah. uh, because it's really, when you get a handwritten thank you note, I mean, yeah. or a handwritten note, it, that'd be a thank you note, just a handwritten note. Was thinking about you. So grateful for our relationship, whatever. It just feeds you. I mean, it, it, it creates, um, you know, it creates some, some, uh, some energy and positive, uh, you know, for your, for yourself, even you don't do it for that reason. You do it because you're showing appreciation for others, but, Uh, Yeah, well, this has been very, very cool, Bruce. Thanks for sharing all of this. Um, uh, So tell me, how can people find out more about you? I know you're not really marketing all over the country for clients, but I'm just, if people want to learn more about you, you know, your website has a lot of great information and and thoughts, and you've taken the time, you know, to write a few articles and blogs over the years. You've got a whole series of articles. Where could people find more about, about Bruce and some of your information?
2: Uh, probably my website would be the, the first place to go. And it's Bruce at com. It's the Danish spelling, J O H N S E N. And in there is the, my alternative to writing a book. You wrote a book, Jeff. Uh, I should write a book, but it's easier for me to write one page of what's on my mind. So it's becoming our best. And they're, they're at 50 or 60. Yeah. That, One and on, and on things that are useful.
1: Yeah, well, I think those, I think that type of content is really useful because most of us don't really have the time to sit down and read books anymore, like we used to. But we can read an article. We've got fifteen minutes to read an article that that can be impactful. So I think that's incredibly valuable. Well, this is awesome, Bruce. Um, you know, our mutual friend told me uh, that you had a great story, and you, in fact, do. And I think it's very encouraging to those of us who are moving in. To act two to, to say, look, there are multiple right answers. You know, there's more than there may be more than one right answer, yes. and to experiment and don't be afraid to change course uh, and to be a lifelong learner. And uh, you you've shared some great wisdom on all of those things. So thank you, thank you so much for that. Uh, and those of you that uh, checked in today, thank you for being with us today. I hope you found the conversation with Bruce as valuable as I did. If you'd like to uh, check out more shows. You can check out the Money and Meaning show on iTunes and all the normal streaming services. Please give us a review. It's helpful to, to, to build an audience. If, if you check out the show and give us a review, let us know what you think. If you'd like to reach out to me, I can be reached at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com. And so until next time, find what makes your heart come alive
0: uh, and put the plans in place to go pursue it. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at at tandemgrowth.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.